Welcome everybody to a new edition of the Quarcast. This is episode number 19. As I'm Owen Newkirk, he's Sean Shapiro. Hopefully we've sorted out some of our audio issues from last week where we did the outdoors version, which Sean, I'll admit, watching you put the chicken on the smoker was wonderful, <laughs> but I think it ruined our Quarcast quality a little bit audio-wise. It did, it did. Um, and so, yeah, we instead I smoked chicken yesterday as well, but... Did not record a podcast while doing so. Um, so. Probably for the best. But here we are yeah. today, and we are now at the conclusion of the round robin. We are not yet at the conclusion of the first of the qualifying round because that's going on as we speak. Toronto mm-hmm. and Columbus game five, which I don't have on at the moment because we're quarcasting. But here we are, almost complete. We'll get schedules, I'm sure, Sean, probably by the end of the night. I would think so. But we know for sure this. And we're go- this segment, we're going to review what just happened the last two weeks. The round robin, the first, the qualifying round. And then in our next segment, we're going to preview the first round of the playoffs. The actual playoffs, as opposed to this really gray area of they count statistically, but are they actually playoff games? Because they're not playoff games, but they might be playoff games. You get what we're saying. So with all that said... Uh, let's get to what we just witnessed. John, Stars win a hockey game for the first time since late February, and I know it wasn't pretty. It was better than what we saw against Colorado for sure, but the fact that they got a goal at least so they didn't get shut out in consecutive games going into the first round of the playoffs, to me, is almost as big as winning the shootout over St. Louis. Well, yeah, I mean, the shootout gives some better feelings and and an actual some better feelings going into this. I mean, I think this is one of those where normally, actually, I'll I'll say this. That shootout was actually huge in my mind because I think there is a huge difference between carrying uh, carrying a 10-game losing streak versus winning that shootout game. Like, I think if they don't win the shootout, we're talking about them having lost 10 straight going into the first (laughs) round of a playoffs. And not good. And it's something where it just... Well, the coaching staff won't care about the shootout. They're real willing to look at the first 65 minutes anyway. Um, for the outside and for perception and for having a monkey off the back, I think that that does a ton because I think if they had lost this game and if they had lost this game the shootout, there would have been way more of the storyline. There would have been way more of the questions of, well, you guys have lost 10 in a row going into a playoff series. 10 in a row. And it would have been not to answer the question for over, two or three days. Yeah. And now they can go in on a win. They can go in motivated. Um, not that they wouldn't be going in motivated for, but now they can go in without having to worry about this, this losing streak hanging over their shoulders. And it's, uh, so that was, that was huge. I mean, now the shootout goal, if they lost in the shootout, I'd be defending it and saying, well, the shootout doesn't really have that big of an impact on the playoffs. But the fact they finally scored in regulation, <laughs> that was big. I mean, you needed that goal. Like they had, they had gone, they had been shut out. Up, they were 30 seconds away from being shut out 11 of the 12 periods in Alberta. That's like something that's, that we talked about on our radio broadcasts uh, today, since this is Sunday when we're recording this, is the fact that they almost only scored in one, of, one period of three yeah. games. Uh, out of nine, not counting the, uh, the overtime period. I mean, yeah. that's just crazy. And, and then you actually talk about the exhibition game, too. 
that adds another three periods to it. Well, yeah, because I count the exhibition game within that too. Like I look at the trends of this. Like, yeah, because that's how that's that was an exhibition game against a team that is already out of the playoffs, <laughs> and a, in an exhibition game where we saw some of the same things carry over from that game to the next couple games. If if it had been just like a typical preseason game where they had just said, oh, well, here's only the taxi squad, almost the taxi squad's playing. No, but the exhibition game was treated, felt felt similar to the other round-robin games to me, actually. I agree with that. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about, in our next segment preview, we'll discuss the Stars and the Calgary Flames matchup, some of the injury question marks for the Stars, uh, we'll get to all that. That's part of our, our next preview. But right now, just looking back on what you saw in four games with Dallas, before we talk about the other matchups and qualifying rounds and, and round robins, mm-hmm. I felt, Sean, that although this was a better game against St. Louis, especially than Colorado and the third period at Vegas, I did not feel this was a playoff intensity level game. In fact, this of the three round robin games for Dallas, this one felt like the least intense, as if these guys on both sides were more concerned about making sure they didn't get hurt before the first round of the playoffs started. Did you get that same feeling? Yeah, I mean, if you're looking at the like kind of face off uh, playoff similarity, like I would argue the Vegas one felt the most like a playoff. It didn't feel like a playoff game to me, but it felt the most like a playoff game. To me, Dallas I equated City. it like a mid to late mid-season playoff, uh, regular season intensity. Yeah, and the Colorado game, I felt like as soon as, I felt like as soon as Colorado had a lead, everything kind of died down. Um, this one, to me, felt like it felt like a mid-season game. This wasn't, today did not feel as much like a playoff game. Um, and, and, and obviously the other thing that builds into that too is the personnel. Um, for example, Jordan Binnington does like, just when St. Louis, and I don't blame them for doing it. Jordan Binnington's probably is going to, we know Jordan Binnington is going to be their guy. They're going to ride him and he's going to play. But so when St. Louis plays their backup goalie by choice, and then you have, you have Dallas has two players unfit to play, and who know, we don't know what they have. We don't know, and we'll definitely talk more about both of them. But if this is a playoff game, they're playing, in theory. I don't know what it is. We don't know what it is, but the fact that Tyler's practiced recently, he seems to be moving around just fine based <laughs> off what we can see from select Twitter video posts and everything... Um, it's the type of thing where if this was a playoff game, he's playing. So that immediately to me leads into this doesn't feel like a playoff game because right. the stakes aren't there. And when when you don't... it was an exhibition feeling, right? Yes, I mean, that was today better. Today was the most like an exhibition game to me of the round robin games, but it still was higher than September preseason. Yes, it was. Yeah, which I is, agree with that. Which is a plus. Now, yeah. obviously the Stars would not have had the luxury had they not been one of the top four seeds of sort of tiptoeing their way through this round robin. And maybe, maybe we were hoping for them to push for a higher seed, like a one or a two. Frankly, Sean, I'm not that concerned. I'm more concerned about getting this group as a whole and playing the right way and getting forward. We'll see once we get to game one how close this really is. All right, but um, as we look back, 
we've, you and I have talked a lot about the Stars games to each other, and you've done your writing, and I've done the broadcasts, and it's been fun. Um, was this the right way to do it by the league, do you think, the round-robin format, so that the top four seeds weren't just playing these shinny hockey practice games? Um, it was the right way to an extent, but I still have an issue with actually one of the things that actually happened. <laughs> going, go, going into this, my issue had been more with the Boston Bruins, and you could apply the same tag to the St. Louis Blues. My issue had been that those teams were the best teams in the league for 70 games, 71 games, however many they played. And they, there was no benefit to them in the, in the round robin other than trying to get up to speed. Like, they had nothing to gain. They only could lose things. And when Boston, to me, it, it's just, it, there's the optics of it, and I just don't like a setup where Boston can win the President's Trophy like they did and now go into the playoffs and be the fourth seed. Um, to me, I think everything else with it worked. The one thing that I would have done, and I've made, I think I've made this case on the podcast before, where... I would have given a handicap point or something yes. like that to, 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 to Boston and St. Louis, whether it's, hey, the team that finished first, like Boston comes in with, whether it was one, one point or two points, just something where, um, something where that regular season meant something more in, in, in finishing out the season. Now, if they went, oh, and if, where they went, if you say, say you only gave them one point, just hypothetically, right? Um, say you say you gave them say you gave St. Louis one point like one handicap point. Hey, you won the West in the regular season. You get one point. That would have meant Dallas would have had to beat St. Louis in regulation to move up. Yeah, and, and so getting to overtime it wouldn't have helped Dallas. Yeah, but it no. would have helped. So, and we're splitting hairs here, but I think well, it's considering def- it took them fifty nine and a half minutes to score a goal. Yeah, it may not have mattered. <laughs> It may not have mattered, but I think it's. It was definitely the system didn't give, didn't have the, the benefit or the reward that it needed for te- the two teams that were the best. Now I think everything else worked. I think it got teams playing. Um, I think someone mentioned to me the other day that well they should have done what the NBA did, where they've got teams playing out eight games, or and I just don't think that I just don't think that works because they. You want to get it done. Like you don't want to like go through and play eight games and have it played out that way. Like to me, it was. Well, the other problem, Sean, is that the longer you do that, the longer these players are away from their families, kids, mm-hmm. wives, and girlfriends, and that would have been a real problem. Yeah. I mean, these guys are already sacrificing time away from family to do this because even in normal circumstances, well, they have to travel. When they come home, they get to see their families. So. I think, as, as you're saying, like, sure, in an ideal world, they could have played the last 13 games of the regular season or 10 or 9. or what, Everybody had a different number. Yeah. You're already not bringing seven teams back there because you, you're like, look, we're not going to make you get all dressed up to come here and play games, and obviously you're not going to make the playoffs. So I think under not ideal circumstances, the NHL really did a great job getting this to where it is because it's been fun. The elimination games Friday was amazing. Six elimination potential games. Five of them happened on Friday. Only Toronto's miracle yeah. work kept them from making it at six for six. Sean, that was a great day of hockey watching. Oh, it was tremendous. I mean, this thing, this the, the setup for what this has done has been amazing where it's one of those where you look at a day like today where you've got three games and you feel like, 
oh, it's such a late schedule. There's <laughs> like, how about tomorrow? Now, there are no games yeah, tomorrow. Yeah, no, tomorrow's going to be rough. But I, I, I like what it did. I think, and we're going to keep moving forward. We're probably yeah. going to have probably going to have what four games a day going forward. If That's you think my about, yes, I yeah. was thinking two games in each city per day, alternating days, so you don't do back to backs. Yeah. Um, and it should be fun. Um, I loved your tweet earlier today of this game is just pushing the stars to the 9.30 start time. Yes. <laughs> I mean, we were talking about that in the studio of, well, they're going to want the Blackhawks to be in the prime time viewing, so this could really hurt us. We'll see how it yeah, works out. Because so yeah, I, No matter who they get paired with, right? So if they get paired with the uh, Chicago... Uh, the Chicago Vegas, Vegas series. Yep. Yep. That one will get the primetime treatment. It's got Chicago. It's got Vegas. Um, if they Arizona might actually give the stars an earlier start time. Um, it might. Because you have but... a mountain time and a Pacific time. You depending do, it, on the time zone. It it does. And while Colorado and Arizona aren't exact, Colorado and Arizona are play a more exciting brand of hockey, and it's not a Canadian team. Right. And so you think about the NBC powers that be, they will want their, uh, they're not going to get credit for the Calgary market. So you're right. <laughs> and so, yeah, the, so I'm, I'm feeling unless they, uh, I mean, the one where maybe we get the earlier time is if they decide to group St. Louis and Dallas on the same day, because, Hey, they both played today. It's not really fair to have either of them start on Tuesday, so right. let's wait until Wednesday for both of them. And Boy, so that would be ideal. And then, and then, then I see you kind of rotating them. Well, okay, Dallas, Dallas, Calgary is the early game this night. The next night, it's St. Louis, Vancouver is the late game, and just switch every other night, I guess. But so before we get to our preview for the next round, because I'm kind of itching to talk about what's coming, but let's just go yeah. quickly through both sides. Let Western Conference first. Mm-hmm. Is there anybody that really surprised you? I mean, Vegas, Colorado, Dallas, St. Louis, we knew we were going to be one through four in one form mm-hmm. or another. But yep. Vancouver, Calgary, Arizona, and Chicago won. And Nashville and Minnesota, you know, Edmonton goes home, Winnipeg. What was, was there a surprise of those four qualifying round series for you? I was surprised Chicago got the job done. Like, I was surprised that they were able to pull that off. Uh, I thought they... There, I thought, I thought it was kind of Jonathan. Here's a good example. I going to this tournament, I thought one of the things that we could see, and we definitely didn't see it in the round robin, and and I, and I don't have much hope for it right now. But going into this tournament, I thought maybe we see the best version of Jamie Benton. We see an older guy I who hope he's holding, uh, storing up for later. Games. I know because he did, <laughs> but I was, I was thinking maybe we see the best version of Jamie Benton, an older player who, and. I think we saw that with Jonathan Taves. Like, I think we saw Jonathan Taves as a guy who is 31. He's the same age as Ben and is a guy who's played a lot of hockey in his life. He's won three Stanley Cups, had, he's coming off fresh four months off. And I thought we saw Taves really take over in that series. Um, and not that Jonathan Taves should be a surprise, but he, he went out and did, he went out and, and Chicago went out and won that series without Patrick Kane being all world. Patrick Kane wasn't bad in that series, but it wasn't like if you had told me Chicago would beat Edmonton, I would think, okay, the formula would be Patrick Kane is going to go off and Corey Crawford was going to be lights out. Patrick, right. That didn't happen with Patrick Kane. And so um, 
And then the other, the other, the one other thing that just kind of stood out to me that just was interesting was the. I didn't. We saw Nashville in the playoffs last year, right against Dallas. Right. I didn't expect Nashville to kind of crumble the way they did. Like Boy, I didn't. They were not good. Yeah, like I didn't. I mean, don't get me wrong. They had their pushes. I think that Arizona was one of the teams that really benefited. You and I talked about this before. Yeah. Darcy Kemper getting back was a huge deal for the Coyotes. Yeah, and he was he was tremendous in that series. He, I still yeah. I'm I'm of a firm believer that if he didn't get hurt during the regular season, that he's your Vezina winner. Yeah, I agree with that. Because that's he, probably I mean, look, fair. All due respect to Connor Hellebuck, who had a great season, and he he probably will win the Vezina. But Kemper to me was the the leader in the clubhouse when he got hurt. Yeah, and he was tremendous, and he was tremendous in that series. All well, right, I, looking at the yeah. Eastern side, um, I think to me, and I'll, I'd love your opinion on this, Carolina over the Rangers was no, a no-brainer. I thought the Rangers were going to put up a more of a fight. They, the Hurricanes look really good. Sweeps, a sweep surprised me, but that's it. Right. Not, that, not that they won. Um, I thought that the Panthers might surprise the Islanders, but I'm not surprised that the Islanders won. They play a really defensive style. Talk about Columbus is back and forth, and I'll let you go through all four. Um, To me, Montreal was the biggest surprise in both conferences. I had no expectation that the Canadians would win over Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh surprised me of how bad they looked. Yeah, I was surprised with how bad Pittsburgh looked, and I was with Montreal, I mean... Who would have thought Jeff Petrie would be the hero? <laughs> like just he was like good. obviously some like like he scored two game-winning goals in that series and like to me that was kind of that that to me was a surprise. That was how how that all played out. Um, Don't you think that kind of shows too how fragile a best of five is compared to a best of seven? You lose mm-hmm. the first game. And now you're, you have to win three of four. Whereas in a best of seven, you lose the first two on the road. You go home, you win two. It's a new series. You don't feel the same pressure. I know that pressure ebbs and flows in a seven-game series too. But best of five, and I'm glad they did best of five because I think seven would have been too long for these qualifiers. But boy, you lose games. You really feel that pressure instantly, don't you? Yeah, you do. It's... I mean, the quick turnaround and then the overtime games, I feel, hurt even more in the best of five. Like, because I feel like it's one of those where, and obviously they hurt. Like, we've seen them, we've seen it happen in, in best of seven where, like, if you're up 3-2, if you're up, and if it, you win game five in overtime, a lot of time, in a, in a 2-2 series, for example, a lot of times that feels like, well, that feels like a back-breaking win. I feel like those back-breaking overtime games come more come earlier now in a series. Like if you if you and I are playing a best of seven series and you win game one in overtime, it sucks, but I battle back. But if it's a best of five and you win game one in overtime, and I was that close, and now I know I have to win three out of four, that's way more emotionally draining. Of course, especially on the on the inverse of that is you have to only win two of the next four. Yeah. So it really asks an awful lot. Um, the Last thing before we go is just the fact that I have to give the Maple Leafs credit. I know it's not easy for me to say, but I, thought, <laughs> I honestly thought Columbus put them away. They were up by three goals with four minutes to go. I thought when they scored the third, when Boone Jenner scored the other night in the third with four, what, and a half to go or something like that, I thought the Maple Leafs were cooked, and they, mm-hmm. they won that game. It was, it was the best finish we've seen yet because of the drama of it. And, I mean, just well, I thought it was just an incredible game. And 
And Sean, we're seeing all these news reports that within the next couple of days, it could be announced that major college football postpones to the spring or cancels the season. And it just makes me think that the NHL bubble, the NBA bubble playing right now is going to be a really good thing during a really bad situation for both leagues. Yeah, I mean, the bubble the bubble worked. The bubble concept worked. And you have to remember the bubble only works because they had a short amount left. A bubble doesn't work. Like, that's why baseball couldn't really... Baseball's struggling to figure what works. The NFL's... But I think, I think the bubble concept works. But you also have to remember that it's got to be for the big prize. Like, that's, like you, you, couldn't get agree, you could not get players to agree to bubble up for 82 games. Like, that's just not possible. So. Not a chance. All right, well, that's our first segment. Up next, it's time to preview the real first round of the playoffs. Raise those hands, this is our party. We came here to live life like nobody was watching. I got my city right behind me. If I fall, they got me. Learn from that failure, gain humility, and then we keep marching. Can we said, go back? This is the moment. Tonight is the night. We'll fight till it's over. So we put our hands up like the ceiling can hold us. Like the ceiling can hold us. Go back. This is the moment. Tonight is the night. We'll fight till it's over. So we put our hands up like the ceiling can hold us. Like the ceiling can hold us. All right. We were itching the entire time we did the first segment of talking about what just happened in the last week and two, uh, maybe two weeks total with the round robin and the, the qualifying round, which is, uh, as we record this right now, Columbus is winning one to nothing in the second period in the decisive game five with Toronto. Um, we'll see what happens. That could go either way. But uh, we want to preview the next round, and we're going to preview that assuming that, because we know the winner of this game, Toronto and Columbus, plays against Tampa Bay anyway. So it doesn't... We'll, we'll figure that out in a minute. But, um, Sean, I've got a lot of thoughts, and I'm sure you do as well, so let's get right to it. Stars will play the Calgary Flames in the first round as the three seed rather than being the four seed and playing the Vancouver Canucks. Obviously, the more important thing that we talked about in our last segment was the fact that the two team that the Stars go in with some positivity in their game. They won a game. They battled through some tough, sloppy play from both teams. Do you like the fact that they're playing Calgary over Vancouver? Um, to me, it's kind of splitting hairs. Like, I didn't, I didn't really, like, I know there was a lot of people who were all very much, oh, I'd rather play Vancouver. There was, there was, I definitely saw a bunch of that. And, and that's fine if you want to pick your opponent. But I really, I really think it's splitting hairs. I think, um, if, if, I could, I'd have to go through and break it down piece by piece, but I, to me, Calgary and Vancouver are similar opponents for Dallas. I don't, I don't see a big benefit of playing one versus the other. Um, I think Calgary experience with the Calgary roster, right? Mm -hmm. A little younger Vancouver. Uh, the one that stood out to me, obviously, I think Calgary is a more physical team where Vancouver is more of a, a quick skating, younger, youthful kind of thing was yeah. goaltending. I think that, you know, due respect to Cam Talbot or David Riddick, who the Stars will face most likely Talbot, he seemed to be the, the number one yeah. right now with Calgary. Is I think Jacob Markstrom is the best goalie of, that, the, of those two teams. And while the Stars have had success against Vancouver this year and Markstrom, I still think that 
that might be actually good that they're facing one of the other guys. Is that crazy? No, that's not crazy. And I also think the other thing that thought that came to mind for me is Vancouver gets up and down the ice, and we've seen teams like that when Dallas has struggled. Those teams have hurt Dallas. Now Dallas, and so Calgary to me style wise is one where I think they'll. I think Dallas can rope them into playing more of their style than I they agree. would in Vancouver. Yes. So I think that that behooves the Stars to, to play the Flames in that direction. Um, so it's. I mean, it, it, it's, it's it's an interesting it's an interesting kind of uh, setup too with with these two teams because whether it was Calgary or Vancouver, I mean they last played uh, December twenty second was the last time they played at American Airlines Center in a while, and it was not that one was not a good showing for Dallas, but that was also at a time when Dallas was in a bit of a pretty bad bad. That and was when Dallas was in the midst of Calgary in October at home too, didn't they? They did in a shootout, and yep. then they and then they won there in November, and then that but was the, in the midst of their one seven and one start. Yes, and, but the uh, that was the, their one. Yeah, well, the other one, not the win, but, it was but the yeah, point. The, the, the December loss too, though, came right into it was December twenty second. I've got the game log up right now where that came after December twentieth is when they lost seven to four to Florida on the 20th and they lost to Calgary five to one the next game and that, that was, was like, it almost felt like that was mailed in before the holiday break didn't it yes so that's what that felt like yeah that's what that felt like a oh, lot and, so. and they gave up a ton so they had that run it was a ton of penalty uh, power plays for Edmonton at home then they go to Tampa and win a game they had no business they gave up what five goals and still came back and won that game and then were even worse in Florida and gave up seven and was just routed so they were, there was a stretch of, I think, about four games there, Sean, where they just, and if, ending with Calgary, where they just did not play well. No, they, yeah, they did not play well. And then they went into the break, and they came out well out of the break. And obviously that led into, I believe, they beat Colorado and Arizona. Then we obviously all know what happened with the Winter Classic. So um, so anyway, moving on to this, this series with Calgary. Uh, what did you think of the... Uh, Calgary Winnipeg series because I know it was it was, it was a very this is a very hard thing to kind of scout for lack of a better word watching wise because you I watch so many games but it's not like a typical playoff where I know the stars will play the winner of this series the winner of that Correct. series especially last year where it was like okay I knew they would play the winner of that St. Louis series last year we knew because there was a bracket this one it could have been anyone and we didn't know how the seating was going to be and so you watch a little bit of everything so I never really got to do the full deep deep dive on the Calgary series like I, I, I would have for a typical playoff series, but I, I watched some of that series. I thought it was a rather convincing 3-1 series win for Calgary. They were the better team. And you also had Winnipeg kept that series. The other thing, too, that's just a little bit of a wonderment, too, is Winnipeg got rocked by injuries in that series, too. Like, if you looked at some of those Winnipeg lineups and you looked at, I believe they were missing line A for two of the games, I think it was. Well, Shifley got hurt in the first game. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, I agree with you. I think that the Jets were, unfortunately, really beat up and hindered by that. Now, were they not as good a team as Calgary anyway? I think so. I was wondering if Connor Hellebuck's pedigree this year, how good he was playing... I thought maybe he could steal that for them. But once they lost Line and Shifley, it just felt like they were playing with less of it, not a full deck. And 
and that will and, 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 and Hellebuck can't score goals too. That's I mean, that's right. the whole thing. And I don't hold that against him. Like, I, yeah. I felt like the Flames were the better team even going into it. But I, I'm excited about this preview of this first round now, Sean, because we've seen every team play a little bit going yeah. into the return to play qualifying rounds. None of us had really anything to to go on other than the regular season, which was so long ago. It was like. You know, how do you really tell what, what these teams are? Now, some of these teams did end up looking exactly like we expected them to, but others didn't. Chicago and, and uh, Montreal, definitely examples of that. But to me, I felt like once they lost Shifley after the first game, Winnipeg wasn't going to win that series. That Calgary just had too much for them yeah, to handle. And I they agree just, with that. They couldn't match up. I agree with that. Like, And it was... <sighs> I think the the one I think Winnipeg what was I think Winnipeg won game two of that series if I recall correctly. I think and, it was was it Calgary won the first one and then Winnipeg yeah. and then the Flames won the last two right. Yeah, I and think that makes sense. And that to me, I know um, to me, I think it was. I looked at that series. I think it was the six-two game or whatever it was. And to me, that was kind of the in a three-game series when they took a two-one series lead with a six-two win. There was. It was over to me in my mind. Like, okay, that's and then they made it four nothing. They went out and won four nothing in the last game. So, pretty convincing. But yeah, I mean, Calgary plays. They they play a style where I think this could be a really physical series. This could be a. Well, we're going to test yeah. the depth here, Sean. And this is what we were trying yeah. to avoid in the last one was yeah. stars injuries. Okay, so Correct. here's the big issue. Ben Bishop did not play today. He was still deemed unfit. So was Tyler Sagan. We -hmm. don't know, and you pointed this out on Twitter earlier, from having not been able to watch practice, whether their practices were full speed or if they were being careful or going through physical drills. How close are they? It's, you know, a lot of times during the regular season or during normal playoffs where you can be at practice, you can see that and go, hey, this guy looks like he's, he's really close. And if they say he's not going to play, they're probably being cautious. We have no idea how cautious they're being. Now, I think with Tyler Sagan, they are just being very cautious as let's not waste the round robin. I think maybe I'm wrong and I'm speculating here with Bishop. Like, I mean, up until today, Sean, I was convinced that Ben Bishop would be your game one starter for the first round. Now I'm not so sure because of the way that this has gone the last couple of weeks. Yeah. Well, I mean, they both concern me quite a bit. Um, Sagan's, it's one of those not knowing anything. To me, there is a timeline of something clearly happened either on the last day of camp in Frisco or once the team got to the bubble because he was unfit to play in the exhibition. Right. And then play. The week ago, on the the 30th, yeah, which is a third. And then he played the next two, was unfit to play today. Um, to me, that's concerning because it just speaks to there's something nagging that he probably played through. Now, maybe maybe something new happened. We don't know in practice. But to me, that tells me there's something new that he played through in games in the second and third game or the first, two, first and second game with the round robin. Um, so that's concerning. But you can have Tyler Sagan you can be careful with and you can have him come back and, and every, and you can get him into the lineup, not at a hundred percent. 
Um, and they could but, they could watch his minutes with power play versus not yeah. out there for 25 minutes that night. It's not the same with the goalie, is it? No. So, like, Ben Bishop's one is there's no – by him not playing the last two games, you lost kind of that soft landing that you could have used for him to get going. And that, and that to me, is a big loss because you wanted to be able to – you wanted to be able to give Ben Bishop the opportunity to see more pucks, to fight through more traffic. All of these things we've talked about Anton Hudobin has done. Um, that, to me, is uh, you lost that opportunity with Ben Bishop. And as, as you said, I was on the same thought, in the same thought process as you is. Well, before we found out Ben Bishop was unfit to play today, I was convinced Ben Bishop would play game one of the playoffs. Me too. Now, now that Anton Hudobin has played the last two and Bishop has been unfit to play again, and you have how well Anton Udobin played, too, especially if they say the Stars go out and play Tuesday. Just, like, say game one is Tuesday. Like, I now would not be surprised if Anton Udobin starts game one. Like, it's... No, but I would have been even this morning. Yes, yes. Because I also thought, Sean, after seeing that he practiced off ice, uh, he did a 30-minute workout with Jeff Reese two days ago, got through a full practice yesterday, it just seemed like it was lining up for him to play today. Yeah. And you could have even you could have even played him today with the soft plan of if you're not feeling it, we can switch goalies. Like right. that that's the other thing. Like you could have the fact there wasn't even enough confidence to go out there is concerning. Well we'll see what happens with that. The other one that's not quite as high of a bar but stands out to me on a couple of fronts. There's two issues to to discuss for us. One is the health or lack thereof of Taylor Fadoon, which we mm-hmm. haven't gotten much of an update. Uh, he was unfit to play, uh, which we didn't find out right away when Thomas Harley made his debut against the Colorado Avalanche. Um, I loved the article after the fact, talking to his family and to mm-hmm. him, because I thought Thomas Harley really had a great line where he said he wasn't happy with how he played. He's used to dominating yep. games. Granted, it's in the OHL. But that now that he knows the speed of the NHL, especially at that level, he expects to be much, much better the next game. I'd love to see him play another game. I just don't see it happening in the playoffs. Uh, yeah, I, don't, I, I, think it was gonna, I think it's a cameo that's going to stay a cameo. Because, right. like, but doesn't for that example, make you excited for the next time he plays? It does. It definitely does. It defi- I'm definitely excited for the future for him. But, um, but, and, but let's get back to Fadoon because yeah. he should have been the guy that came in the lineup there, right? He would have if he was healthy. Like, that's the thing. Like, that's, like, Thomas Harley came in for John Klingberg, but he really came in for Taylor Fadoon. That's really what he came, he came in for. And, um, and Fadoon, like, that's, that's kind of a bummer for a guy in that spot who is that seventh defenseman and has, has worked hard to, to be good in that role and, and step in and then to be unfit to play with whatever it is. Um, to not be able to play, that's, that's a bummer for, for Dune. Uh We know he's worked off off-ice. Um, one of the pictures we even got from the stars they sent in from the bubble recently was him working out with a bunch of the other Taxi Squad guys. So we know that it, it, it's it, there's the, the weird social media detective work with this is crazy to me. Like, <laughs> like, like today with Kiviranta. With Kiviranta, where the whole thing, where we're watching, they put out a video of them walking into the arena. And it's Esselindel... Um, I think it was Corey Perry too. I can't remember who the other person was, but basically it was it was Kiviranta was walking into the Stars locker room, 
um, before the game with kind of the caption of like, hey, we're getting ready for the game or whatever. And we know well, we know that they typically don't have the healthy scratches right. come into the locker room before the game. They want to, they don't want that many bodies in there. They they have them stay away from there as long as possible. And to see him go into there is like, oh, well, there's something to that. Maybe he's taking warm-ups. He could have just been taking warm-ups, but there's something to he that. He would have been walking in at that time if yeah. he wasn't even in, in the warm-up lineup. Exactly. So it's, <laughs> the, it's the weird detective work that we've been doing on all that we've had to do. Like based I'm glad off you social... brought that up, though, Sean, yeah. because I wanted to ask you about the choice to go to Kiviranta. He, uh, yes. Rick Bonus was asked about it in the postgame today. But um, and, and all due respect, I actually thought Kiviranta played very well mm-hmm. and played his style of game. Uh, just like Taylor Fadoon, of course, he's been injured. Justin Dowling did not get the call today. And when Tyler Sagan didn't play... Uh, the exhibition game, Justin Dowling didn't get the call again. Now, again, I'm not saying that Kiviranta doesn't deserve to play. It's just that I, again, wondered about next man up. If you're in a playoff series and somebody gets hurt on the defensive side, Fadoon's probably the first guy you go in, followed by either Hanley or maybe a guy like Bayreuther, maybe. But definitely Hanley or Fadoon because they both played playoff games for Dallas last year. And I think Rick Bonus and his staff trust them to come mm. in and play in a limited role. Justin Dowling played a lot of playoff games for Dallas last year under Jim Montgomery, and he had the trust of the Stars head coach at the time. But he does not seem to be used in the same way by under Rick Bonus that he did under Jim Montgomery. Am I completely off base with that? No, I don't think you're off base with that. I think certain coaches have their favorite. They have guys they like versus they don't like. Um, like, for example, Rick Bonus really likes Taylor Fadoon's game. He's always liked Taylor Fadoon, and that's something that I had been told um, even before Brick Bonus was ever the head coach, was when Taylor Fadoon came here last year and he was the seventh defenseman, I had been told by somebody that, well, Rick likes him, so he's not going anywhere because Rick makes the defensive decisions. So you have, I think Justin Dowling has run into that spot where he is a good 13th forward, and he, he plays that role very well. And if this if the Stars are on the road and all of a sudden somebody's hurt, okay, Rick Bonus is ready to throw him in. But Rick Bonus also isn't afraid to go and say, okay, well, I want to give Kiviranta a chance, or I would want to put in another guy. To me, I didn't mind what Kiviranta did. I thought he was, uh, I thought he was good in his role, but I thought maybe just for who was coming out and for a team so desperate for offense – I would have thought maybe Dowling, or if he were going to come off the taxi squad, I would have brought Robertson in because yes. I, th- I would have brought in a guy who could have played on the power play because I thought the power play looked it looked rough today. I like the it- second unit with Gurionov just cranking shots from the right circle. That looked dangerous. But I thought the first unit where they had Miro and Klingberg both out there in place of Sagan just didn't seem to – it's like they hadn't practiced together, which clearly they haven't. Yeah. Well, I didn't like the uh, – I didn't oh, like. Well, what about Jamie Ben being parked out by the blue line for no yeah. reason? He got exposed pretty badly with the overhead on that. I didn't like the. I didn't like Essel and Dell running point on that. I didn't like taking Miro off of. And my my view, my view, what I would have done is I would have taken put in Dowling or Robertson in and put them more in Sagan's spot, and instead of trying to shoot shoehorn other pieces, it so. felt like they were trying to. Shove a, a circle into a square hole or vice versa, yeah. doesn't it? Okay. Um, we don't have a lot more time because we have a special segment coming up next. But before we do, Sean, just looking at the series real quick. Vegas against Chicago, Colorado against Arizona, Dallas-Calgary, St. Louis-Vancouver. 
Uh, anything stand out to you? Do you who? Do, which one is the best upset chance? Do you think in that one? Um, I think I look at Chicago as just in the West. I, I look at Chicago as maybe the best upset chance, just because I think they've got some of the pieces. Who I don't think it's enough to carry them all the way to the end, but I think there's enough in the old school Corey Crawford. Pat, Jonathan Taves going back to old four and Patrick Kane waking up. I think there's enough in there for them to pull off a stunner. I don't think, um, I think Colorado's just too good. I think, um, and I, and I don't think if Dallas or St. Louis lost, it would be an upset. Like I, I don't, cause I, I, don't, agree. I don't, they're too close. But, yeah. They're too close. I don't think if Dallas be, I don't think it would be an upset. And I don't think two teams that were, were there were one and two or Oh, and three in round Robin losing, would be an upset. So, how about on the East? You have the Flyers and Montreal Canadiens, Tampa Bay against the winner of Toronto versus Columbus, which is going on as we record. You have the Capitals and the Islanders, which has great storylines with Barry Trotz against his oh, own yeah. team. I love that. Honestly, Sean, going back to the round robin format, the biggest travesty of all this is the Boston Bruins against the Carolina Hurricanes, last year's Eastern Conference final rematch, because the Canes look like they're playing phenomenal hockey. And if that's not a kick in the nuts for the President's Cup trophy winners to have to play, the, I think, the best of the bottom four seeds, that's the worst draw for Boston of any of the teams in there. It is kind of funny because Carolina is one of the teams that voted against this format because they felt that they were kind of getting stuck with a tough matchup or teams and that didn't. Boy, and now did they prove it by yeah, saying the yeah. Rangers didn't belong. Yeah, and then they, they trounced the Rangers. So, <laughs> yeah, if you could call it an upset based off the season, it'd be a big upset, and that's the most likely. But if you based off how they've played, um, Carolina is, looks very dangerous to me. So I agree. I don't think – like, as much as the Canadians had a nice upset story over Pittsburgh, Philadelphia has been too good. That, that, that team is playing well, and that team is deep right now. Yeah. That team is attacking in and waves. And they're doing so. it with a young goalie in Carter Hart. Now, yeah. that happens before. Look, speaking of Carolina – you know, back in the day, Cam Ward as a rookie won a Stanley Cup. He got hot and went on a run. So it can happen. Um, I don't envy a Columbus. I really want a Columbus-Tampa rematch, but I don't envy the Blue Jackets because as tough as they play, Tampa is going to be just chomping at the bit to have another shot at them. I want Tampa-Toronto because I want the 7-5 hockey. You want the offense. Like, that's what I want. Well, that's so. what Edmonton-Chicago was, and it was fun, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. So... Anyway, that's a quick look. We can't wait to do our next one where we're deep in the first round. But up next, we're going to do something we have never done on the Quarcast. We're going to bring in a guest. Be our guest. Be our guest. Put ourselves to the test. Tie your napkin round your neck, Sherry, and we'll provide the rest. Soup to shore, hot or dove. Why, we only live to serve. Try the gray stuff, it's delicious. Don't believe me, ask the dishes. They can sing, they can dance. After all, miss, this is France. And a dinner here is never second best. Go on, unfold your menu. Take a glance and then you'll be our guest. We are guest, be our guest. All right, segment three of the Quarcast, and this is a historical moment for our very high-end production 
podcast, let me tell you, for the first time ever in now 19 episodes, somebody other than Sean or me will be on the show. In fact, we have our first guest. We talked about doing this a lot during the pause because there were a lot of times where we weren't sure if we'd pull up enough talking material and new stuff. Yet it's, it's These little layers kept coming out, so we never actually broke down and brought in a guest from around the hockey world. But today we do for the first time, and it's from the bubble, which is even more exciting, as we welcome in one of Sean's colleagues from The Athletic. He covers... The team from British Columbia, not the Stars' next opponent, but that's okay. It almost lined up perfectly. Thomas Drantz from The Athletics joins us. Hi, Thomas. How are you? I'm doing well, gentlemen. Yeah, no, funny that you waited until the Stars finally snapped that nine-game losing streak <laughs> to bring in a guest. Uh, but yeah, with 31 seconds to, uh, to go, I thought you, know, you guys had really lined this up perfectly for us to preview uh, the upcoming Stars Canucks series, lots of plot lines there would have been, not just the old rivalry between the Gallardis and the Aquilinis, uh, but also, you know, the Ben brothers and on and on. Uh, would have been a very interesting, oh, Louis Erickson's triumphant return, uh, even though, of course, the, the, none of the series will be played in Dallas or Vancouver. Uh, would have been delicious, but, you know, so it goes. The Stars, Calgary Flames, that'll be a fun one. And I think Canucks Blues will be interesting too. Should be, I think, I think both of those teams are in for a series like i think this is going to be uh, i think both stars calgary and blues vancouver I, i'm not picking either to be over in four or five yeah it was uh we were 30 seconds away from that too on top of all those wonderful storylines also the return of antoine roussel would have been right. that would have been a, that would have been a fun Thomas, uh, do you know are you guys following that storyline the antoine roussel how many times he's already missed his triumphant return to dallas due to oh. injury no, <laughs> but no, uh, you know what? We are sort of mildly, but, um, you know, it hasn't been front of mind, but it is too bad, right? Like he was a fan favorite, uh, deservedly so. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we, you can tell even when he's just around the team injured uh, in Dallas, the, there's a lot of people who want to talk to him. Uh, so, yeah, no, look, that is too bad. But, you know, maybe in a future, he'll probably have to play to like, <laughs> like he might not make his Dallas return on this current contract at this point, right? Which is crazy because he added the extra year going up there. But Sean, uh, that was the, we were still waiting for the tribute video. Yeah, we were still waiting. It, it's similar to what happened with uh, Trevor Daly. That's when right. The, the Stars traded away Trevor Daly to the, uh, to the to the Blackhawks, I believe. That was the Blackhawks trade, right? And then got traded yeah. to Pittsburgh. Then got traded to Pittsburgh, and then he got hurt. And, and so it took him. And played Pittsburgh that year yeah. at home, so he wasn't coming back. I think Trevor Daly went and won a Stanley Cup before he got a tribute video <laughs> back in Dallas. <laughs> well, the funny thing is that uh, it's not so funny, but Antoine had that awful knee injury last year. Last season, I should say, because the year is not nearly uh, descriptive enough for what we're doing right now. So he had the big knee injury right before he was supposed to come to Dallas. He actually came on the trip, and we got to see him, but he was, you know, obviously not able to play. And then the coronavirus kept him from doing it. Yeah. Well, and, and now, finally, he looks fast again, right? He came back from the knee injury uh, this winter and didn't really look like himself. Like, he wasn't his usual playmaker off the rush he wasn't driving play he wasn't winning battles quite the same way he still he still was effective in spots just because he still has that brain and he's still an agitator but he wasn't you know the type of player that he had been and now you know i think of the guys who benefited from the four and a half months off like he's at the top of the list he's looked really fast he's looked really assertive 
Uh, he's certainly gotten the heads of the wild, especially running Alex Stalock time and time again. Uh, apparently, <laughs> apparently, he particularly loves to run wild goaltenders. Um, and, you know, even posted on it. I don't know if you guys saw this, but on Instagram with the series done, he was like, great series. Can't wait for the next one. And the photo that he posted is a Getty photo of him running Alex Stalock behind <laughs> the neck, which was tremendous. So. Uh, you know, nice to see Roussel up to his old tricks in, in a number of ways uh, yeah. so far in NHL return to play. Yeah, Antoine's Minnesota's Minnesota series from 2016 was uh, him and Devin Dubnik got into it, and he scored the one of the weirdest NHL goals I've ever seen in person with the kick from behind the net that wasn't really a kick, but it went off his skate blade from below the blue line and below the goal line and hit Dubnik in the back of the head and went in, and he uh, he whooped it up. So... So, Thomas, you've had the uh, one thing you've been able to do that none of us have been able to do. You've been able to watch hockey in person because... Uh, <laughs> yeah, I actually watched today's game in person, um, so, which I regretted almost immediately. When I saw <laughs> the lineups and the pace. I, you know, I really did think to myself multiple times, like, what am I doing? This is, this is lower. Like, the intensity of today's game against the St. Louis Blues was lower than some of the Phase 3 scrimmages. Yeah, yeah. True. What? You know, Sean, if it wasn't for the fact that we had something invested in this game, if this was a neutral game, I don't know if I would have been able to sit through it. Oh, it's it was it was a rough game to watch, and I'm sure it was. Uh, I mean, I, I know it would have pushed the Montreal, this sorry, the Tampa Bay Columbus game back a bit later. But I'm sure the NBC <laughs> people are wondering why didn't we put the Bruins on national TV? <laughs> <laughs> that was a brutal brutal game for both teams and and look i think the one big takeaway from this round robin uh, there's some hockey people smart hockey people who are convinced that the round robin teams have an advantage they'll be more rested but i just find it impossible to watch what i've watched in the qualifying round versus what i've watched in the round robin and especially today's game and not think that there's a chance that both dallas and st louis struggle out of the gate in their respective first round series just because they're going to have to in fact flip a switch you know the other teams have been playing for their hockey lives now for 10 days and you know the other than the colorado avalanche none of the round robin teams that i saw worked consistently like vegas just waited till they went down in every game and then absolutely took over and matched their opponent which i respect you know it's uh, treat it like practice fine it's like but playing the, with your food right exactly but so so cool but other than that you know the only team in the round robin that seemed to me to come prepared for business and to take care of it was the avalanche everyone else and you know Certainly the Blues. I mean, I, the Blues the Blues look to me like they don't even want to be here, which is the only reason that I'm not picking them with a bullet to beat the Canucks. Like, they're clearly an elite roster, but I'm just not sure they've got it. Uh, there's, you know, they're going to have to re-find it anyway if they're going to be able to match the Canucks out of the gate. I think the same thing's going to be true for Dallas and Calgary, especially because this Calgary team, like, you know, one advantage that I have watching these games live is hearing the games. And... Every game I've seen so far, and I've seen 18 games live Ooh. in the qualifying round. Like, I'm an insane person. I've been at the <laughs> rink all day, every day. The Every game I've seen, the game has been won by the louder bench. Like, whoever's more <laughs> engaged keeps their energy level up higher and wins the game. Calgary's been the most consistently energetic group in terms of finding it within themselves. Uh, and I think that's so key in this weird, spooky, empty rink environment. 
That, that's interesting because I know it's something where one of the things I always remember about the Jim, one of the things Jim Montgomery talked about before he was obviously let go unceremoniously, he talked about how he did not have a loud group in Dallas. And we've seen, we've seen like the kind of clips before of like, oh, we've mic'd somebody up and we, of course, they're going to sound loud when we mic somebody up. But he always talked about how I don't really have a, a very vocal group. And that's something that's interesting. Like I, I, I wouldn't have thought of that's, that's a connecting factor you brought up there that I would not have thought of. Well, Sean, um, how many times have you and I talked about this when we go to American Airlines Center or any rink around the mm -hmm. league? When you hear a team's playing well, you can tell from a morning skate or a practice whether they're in a good mental frame of mind because they're loud, they're having fun. The quiet, tense ones usually are the, the practices you realize the team's really struggling. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's amplified here, especially because, you know, this is the playoffs. Like, it's hard not to score a goal that's a dag like that rips another team's heart out. And instead of hearing, you know, either your crowd going completely you know, batshit nuts or the visiting crowd just react like they've, you know, yeah. like something terrible has happened to them like that. Oh, and that like murmuring that a disappointed home building has that nervous tension. <laughs> you know, I, I do think that's tough. Like you think about what it's like for a performer, right? Like all of these guys are basically now stand up comedians who are bombing. You know what I mean? <laughs> and, it's about, and it's about finding that energy anyway. Uh, and, and I think that's a really tough challenge. The Flames so far, the Arizona Coyotes, I think the Coyotes have a quiet group too, but I think they've really made a point uh, and they've discussed it of being vocal, making an effort to be vocal. Uh, but, you know, you're, you're blocking a shot and there's no energy coming back to you. You know, you're making a good defensive play. Your fans aren't cheering. Boy, you're scoring Thomas, a big you can't goal, see this because silent. I can see Sean's face, but the gears are already turning in his head. <laughs> he's got a story that he's going to work on. I can see it. Happen. I, I, I've known Sean for too long now, clearly, because I can see that the little guys behind the curtain are working on this. How quiet was it today? You're in the in the game I can't imagine either team was that loud. <laughs> Completely quiet. I've got a, I've got a piece that I'm working on. So I did this game recap, the very first game that I went to live, that where I just did the game recap based off of the sounds in the building. Like I just transcribed all the swear words that I could hear from the ice and wrote a game story based on that. I, and uh, and so I've decided that I'm doing a weekly and it's a weekly feature that'll be like what I overheard in the Western bubble, basically. <laughs> yeah. And so I part of what I went to today's game to do was, you know, get one last chance to to hear it. And I think the only thing I have is like, are you fucking joking me? Which was said after, you know, Miro Heskinen drew a drew a hooking penalty. By like, the way, it. that, that was slash it. that they called on Miro was pretty ticky tack, super ticky tack. Yes, for sure. Yes. But, you know, nonetheless, that was basically the only, like, audible moment. There, there was no passion in today's game. There was no intensity. The stats didn't work. No one cared. Today felt like an afterthought, it, you know, in so many different ways. You know what it reminded me? It reminded me, of Sean, of one of those Florida Panthers-Dallas Stars preseason oh. off-site games where... Oh, in, oh yes. at the BOK Center in Oklahoma. Yes. Or, or when they oh, showed up at the a rink up in London, Ontario, both wearing white. That was the best. That's the, that's the best one where they, they showed up the rink in, in London, Ontario, and they're playing where the uh, where the where the London Knights play, and yeah, they both showed gardens. up. They both yeah, they're both showing where, up wearing white jerseys, and the stats are kind of like I remember getting this uh, texted a picture of the stats where it was like one, it was one notebook had written stuff down. I remember 
the goalie in that game was Maxime Lagasse for Dallas. I remember I had to, like, the next day, like, back at training camp or two days later, I remember having to ask him, like, hey, what actually happened in that game since no one cared to even tell us and what happened in the game? of radio or TV or anything. Yes. So it was, it was a game where maybe it happened, maybe, but... <laughs> It <laughs> suggested that the equipment yes. guys didn't talk before the game. Yes, no one knew who was the home team. The uh, one of one of my favorite sounds of the one of my favorite sounds at hockey when we cover it is when a road team scores a big overtime playoff goal where the oh, place just so goes well, yeah, it just goes dead and you just hear the team reacting. So, we you had a overtime playoff goal today, but how anticlimactic was a shootout in an empty building? <laughs> oh, and, and truly empty, right? Like yes. to this point, to this point, most of the games have had a small handful of media. You know what I'm saying? Today it yeah. was like there was Chris Cuthbert, there was Gene Principe, there was you know Louis DeBrusque, there was me, there were two game photographers and two PR staff, and that's it. Wow. There was no one else. Like this was the most. This was such an afterthought game. Both teams played like it. They dressed lineups like, you know, for it. It's actually fitting that it ended in a shootout. You know, it ended in a shootout. A goal scored by Gurianov, who's like the most anonymous, really, really good player in hockey. You know, like, like I yeah. feel like outside of Dallas, no one understands that this kid's unbelievable. You know, like people mm-hmm. look over people look over that draft list and they're like, man, Boston. You know, or or Florida, man, Lawson Krause over, you know, Connor, Barzil and and Shabbat. And it's like, yeah, Kiryanov, really, really good. <laughs> and by yeah. the way, a really interesting second contract negotiation coming up because that guy's going to get paid. Incre- uh, you know, so uh, anyway, uh, just a really fitting afterthought end to a completely boring, passionless, <laughs> no contact uh, game, you know, truly Truly, I do think that it's one of those things where both teams that were involved in today's game are going to have to overcome it in turning up the volume and the, and the passion level ahead of you know games that really matter to them uh, beginning on Tuesday and Wednesday of next week, respectively. Yeah, it's Gurionov, it's, it's funny to see kind of, he is a guy who we've learned a lot about him in Dallas. I've written about it, actually, something we discovered because of Owen's radio show, actually, where Denny is a is a pretty established beatboxer, actually, who will uh, beatbox a when... He, story. I remember well, that one well. And, and, and obviously, it was Owen here. he didn't realize he was on the air waiting for us yes. to do our post-game reaction. And so, Denny is a, is a tremendous story we've seen in Dallas. He's someone who... You have the. Uh, I love that that's going to go down in history, though, because these are quote unquote playoff stats, which is hilarious to me. So these are playoff stats. So Denis Gurionov will go down in history as the only Dallas Stars shootout goal in playoff history. Oh. <laughs> isn't that abysmal? Right? Like, isn't that a real It almost shame? makes me sick. Yeah. Yeah. yeah <laughs> like, it's you know I don't like I don't like to get worked up over over something that absolutely very clearly does not matter, and the fact that Gurionov's <laughs> going to have a shootout winner. Uh, in the playoffs, really, truly, among the things in life that matter, uh, that is not one of them. I don't even and like the shootout in regular season games, <laughs> no, let neither. alone in quote-unquote play-in <laughs> round-robin games. But, you know, counting qualifying round, like, this round-robin really didn't work for me, right? Like, this round-robin, I, I I mean, look, it's it's good that the teams kept fresh, I guess, but, boy, the other than, other than the 
Nazem Kadri buzzer beater and the fact that I got to see Nathan McKinnon play live three times, there is nothing to take away from this qualifying round um, that's worth any of our time ever. Like, I, I honestly think we should just forget that it happened. And, <laughs> and that's sort of my plan. Uh, you know, I love the qualifying round. Like, I think they should mimic it as a, as a play-in for the wildcard spots. I think that's a no-brainer. But, boy, oh, boy, that round robin was a disaster for me. Just from a hockey perspective, I saw a lot of it. And it was, you know, it was put-you-to-sleep, exhibition, <laughs> all-star game type hockey. Uh, really just tough to watch. All right, so I have a question here for Thomas because you are actually in the bubble, sort of. Right. Yes. I mean, obviously, adjacent. The, bubble adjacent. Right. <laughs> the bubble adjacent. That's perfect. <laughs> so the media isn't in the bubble the way the players and staffs are because you guys are kept apart. But would you tell our listeners, our throngs of Quarcasters, <laughs> that what how how you got in, what you had to go through, and how close access do you actually get being there versus staying home and watching it, like many media members are. Yeah. So. I'm from Vancouver, so I didn't have to quarantine. And so I think when that you know, played a major factor when The Athletic was staffing things, right? All the athletic mm-hmm. writers on site in both bubbles are Canadian. Um, we have a large Canadian staff. We were able to lean on them and avoid you know, the, the quarantine law, right? The emergency quarantine law that Canada has in place to manage COVID-19. So uh, I got sent here and I drove. I drove 16 hours from Vancouver. Uh, to be here. I'm staying in an Airbnb. I'm not staying in a hotel. Like I'm doing this pure pandemic style and I'm what they call a group five. So there are four groups. Group one would be, you know, on ice officials, players, coaches, general managers, people who are really essential to the like playing of hockey. And this is all broken down so scientifically that there's no romance to it. Right. It's why I really hated phase three training camp. Like these guys are preparing (laughs) to win games in the Stanley cup playoffs. Damn it. You know, and instead it's like in the phase three training session, everyone will wear masks. You know, it's like, it's been broken down by the CDC in concert with the white house, you know, to try and sort of figure out like what's actually essential, break down the essential components of safely competing. And there's just no romance in that. Uh, Fair enough. So anyway, I'm a group five. Uh, There's varying levels. Group fives have no face-to-face contact with anyone uh, who is a group one, two, three, or four. Anyone who's remotely essential. Um, So (laughs) I don't get tested. Um, My temperature is taken on the way in. Mask wearing is mandatory. Uh, And the only additional access I get is that I can hear people talk while the games are going on. That's the really unique thing that I'm able to do that no one else is. Uh, And that is a really unique experience, right? Like that's hockey unlike I've ever experienced it before. And to be totally honest, guys, because I'm a big hockey nerd, like hockey with 30% less ceremony uh, and 500% more fucks is like exactly what I want from the sport. Um, (laughs) Which we can't get because the TV is delayed and we don't hear that. So I'm... I'm a thousand percent on on team enhanced crowd noise like they did in the English Premier League because mm-hmm. if you can't hear what's actually happening, you just hear guys shouting. Yes. And you can't, then it's not worth it. It's like a funeral home. Right. If you know what, it, it's amazing because sports really do sound like without fans, without the energy, without the atmosphere, they really do sound like. 40 guys having an argument. <laughs> you know, like that's really what it sounds like. It's, sounding, it's like they're having an argument about tire, about uh, car parts. So it's just like wheel, wheel, hard, hard. Uh, but, the, <laughs> but the fact is, is that's the coolest thing. That's the coolest piece of access I've had. 
Uh, and then other than that, you know, it's I mean, you get to ask the first question on Zoom if you're on site, right? Like that's it. The Zoom availabilities themselves are just like they are for media at home, uh, generally pretty hostile. Um, you know, not, mm -hmm. a, not a very revealing uh, environment in terms of, you know, telling human stories or stories with any level of emotional depth whatsoever. Which, uh, face it, is exactly what every athletic writer is trying to do. Right. Exactly. Yes. So I'm just trying to pick around the edges and try to find a few stories that, you know, I can tell here that I couldn't tell at home. And, and that isn't easy. I've really leaned heavily into the chatter on the ice just because that's what's right in front of me. And then, you know, we'll have some other stuff coming out over the course of this week. Uh, you know, things like ranking the simulated home game environments <laughs> and doing a few other little things where we can just to sort of, uh, you know, try and try and bring fans as close to, you know, in the building as they can get in a world where we don't know when they'll be able to get in the building again. Do the uh, I asked this to the players the other day on, on the on the on the. As for mentioned, uh, boring Zoom calls. Whether they see the those big video boards that are behind them, mm -hmm. can they actually see? Do you they think can. they can actually they're see? Not, they're not green screened. Okay. Yeah. So, so they but can actually. Are, it looks yeah. the way. There's actually nothing that you see on television that's not in building, in, unless there's the little graphic, like unless your your regional broadcast. Yeah, yeah. The the home things behind the home net. Uh, other than that, there's nothing that's digitally enhanced. What you see is what I see. Uh, the set looks amazing. And as far as the, you mentioned the teams, and that, 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 that one that got me thinking earlier about, hey, the teams that have been the loudest have been the ones that have, have won and <laughs> the most energetic. wheels were turning. But as far as, like, are there any players to you that have stood out where you're like, I didn't realize this guy was such a talker. Or I didn't realize this guy yeah. was such a, this, this guy was such a blank. I don't know. Like, is there any individual players that have been like, yeah, I'm going to put him. He's never going to be a my lady Bing ballad or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? The, the one who stood out the most to me was Alex Stalock. Mm -hmm. And I, I love watching Alex Stalock play. Yeah, he's it's awesome. But you should hear Alex Stalock play because it is completely distinct, right? I've seen every goaltender in the bubble. I haven't heard many goaltenders. I, I heard I heard Dobby a little bit today. Uh, Anton Hadobin was talking a little bit. He was just complaining about calls here and there. Uh, but the but Alex Stalock like manages the game. He's like a signal caller for the Wild when he's back there, right? Like he will. If, if a defender is skating backwards with the puck, right, and he's got forwards in an offside position, you know, Staylock's there yelling, he's, time, time, you have time, like, take your time. Uh, you know, if there's a defender on him, behind you, behind you. Uh, when their team's on the power play, even when they're on the other end, he'll be like, 130, 110, 45, 30, <laughs> 5, 10, box, 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 and then he hammers his stick on the ice. Like, he wouldn't shut up to the point where JT Miller told him at one point, he was like, hey, buddy, why don't you shut the fuck up? <laughs> Which I loved uh, and made my story. Uh, but Alex Stalock was probably the standout. Other than that, the fact is, is a lot of the chirping comes from the bench. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we they turn on music in between whistles. So I don't hear any chirping when the puck's not live. All I can hear is when the puck is live. And when the puck is live, most of the, like, really loud things come from the bench. Mostly it is complaining about calls, um, celebrating block shots, or chirping a team, uh, an opponent who you think do dove. There's a lot of, like, 
Oh, make sure to check that guy out. Check that guy out. He's so hurt. As he, like, skates by the bench, totally fine, having drawn a penalty. Um, it's a lot of that. So, and I can't usually tell who's saying it, right? See, like, Sean and I have made this long claim that his wife actually got to do, which was shoot games in the AHL between the benches at Cedar Park Center down in Austin. Oh, cool. And... Sean and I, and I have said this over, this, this is like a bucket list thing, is that we both would like to sit, stand in the between the glass section for, you know, NBC broadcasts or, or sports net feeds where you get to be down there. Because frankly, during the game is interesting. I wish they would just cut the music for that purpose because between whistles is where the real action happens, isn't it? hundred percent. And, you know, and, and also just like little things in the face-off dot or when two guys are in the box, you know, just, like, sort of chatting back and forth. Like, I've heard some great stories about, you know, um, like, guys, guy, a guy heckling uh, um, an opponent, you know, two opponents are in the box, they're heckling one another, uh, or uh, one's heckling a fan, and the, and the opponent takes the side of the fan. <laughs> like, you know, I, I mean, there's some really good stories out there. One thing, like, one thing, too, there, there's a, you know, sh- uh, I worked with Sean Thornton in – Florida, right? Sean Thornton's the uh, SVP of business operations down for the Panthers. And so I worked with him as a player and then I reported to him when he started managing the business side and great guy, but he won the Stanley cup with the Boston Bruins in 2011 and they hated the Canucks and the Canucks really played a game that agitated them and got like the best out of that Bruins team. And a few years later they played the Blackhawks and the Blackhawks would like go about the ice knowing the whole poke the bear thing. And so, you know, Thorty be chirping a guy at the faceoff circle and the guy would be like, Thorty, that's a really good joke, man. Like, what are your summer plans? Like, what do you, you know, like, like how's the family? And they just like killed them with kindness and got them off their game that way. That's right? a really so brilliant strategy. Yeah. So sometimes chirping is hostile and sometimes it's killing a guy with kindness. Right. So uh, I love that side of it. I think fans are fascinated by that side of it. I think that's why, you know, documenting some of what I've heard in this empty rink is, you know, done pretty well and people have seemed to enjoy it. Uh, so, you know, I'm going to continue doing that in, until they turn up the simulated crowd noise to, to stop me. And, um, you know, I'm looking forward to debuting this feature, this overheard in the Western bubble feature tomorrow. Uh, should be a lot of fun. This reminds me of a story to, for in Dallas where you talk about chirping doesn't have to be, you don't, it doesn't have to be filled with F-bombs. It doesn't have to be so-called mean. Uh, I remember <laughs> it was, this is going. it was, it was last, was, was it last year? It was, it's not last, this, whatever, whatever the year was before last. <laughs> I don't yeah. even know where you're going um, with this now. Anyway, sorry, I believe the last year was February of 2020. Yes. Right? Because we're <laughs> still in, we're 160 days into March now, gentlemen. Yep. Exactly. Hey, so, you know, this was the uh, but, the 152 days between the last time that Bruce and I had a pregame show on yeah. the radio. Wow. Wow. So, wow. but the, anyway. <laughs> I was so I did a story during the 2018-19 season where I sat in for a game with Stars video coach Kelly Forbes, mm-hmm. and I watched the game with him. And for the last uh, last last five minutes of the game, that when there's about five minutes left in the game, I had to kind of roll out, and they're like, "Okay, got to get out," because they didn't want me in there as the team, and the other coaches came in. That was kind of our deal of I could watch the watch how the video coaches operate. And so I'm in the hallway outside the Stars locker room, and they're playing the Rangers, if I remember correctly. And 
it's one of those there's a bit of a scrum with like 30 seconds left in in, in the uh, in the game and I can't remember who the Rangers player is, but they don't have the curtain pulled in the hallway down in the American Airlines Center. They don't have it. They don't have it pulled at the moment, so you could be outside the Stars locker room and look down the hall, and there's the Rangers locker. It wasn't Brendan Lemieux, was it? it I think it was Wasn't Brendan Lemieux. That the one where he took a shot at the goalie, and Jamie Ben took exception and basically tackled him. It might be because I think so. It might be because the best part of the story is I didn't see it live because I'm just in this hallway waiting for the game to end. I'm not actually watching the game at that point because we've I've been watching it with the video coach. And so he comes down and him and Blake Como have both been, it's under five minutes. You're going to get fighting majors. Get out of here. Go to the locker room. And so if the Rangers player, who I believe is now Brendan Lemieux, now that I think more about this, he's yelling down. He's, he's going, fuck you. What are you? F you. Fuck you. Uh, and, 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 Blake Como just stops and yells at him and says, ah, shut up, you nerd, and just walks away. It was one of those moments where you're like, because Como says, oh, shut up, you nerd, and, that, and Lemieux just kind of like, just like stares at him, just like, he's kind of like stunned, like, and then Como just kind of walks away. It was, it was tremendous. That is tremendous. <laughs> <laughs> Devastating, truly savage. All right, now we could, Thomas. We're having too much fun. We could end up doing this for about forty-five minutes to an hour, which I'm sure is great Quarcast radio. But I'm going to leave it over to your colleague, my co-host. I'll give him the honor of asking the last question or bringing the last topic as we try to put a bow on this first segment, which I would say is probably not going to discourage us from doing this again. No, it's not. We definitely will. Uh, guests apparently are, can add to the conversation. It's certainly not bad. <laughs> <laughs> who, who knew? Who knew? Uh, I, I'll end just end to loop this all in on a, on a Dallas side of things just for some of our listeners. As somebody who has watched the stars, and we've talked about how this, this round robin is not a real playoff series, but as somebody who doesn't see the stars that often mm-hmm. and somebody who, when they – are what is it? I feel like I become numb to their playing style. I feel like the level of what excitement means to me in a hockey game has been kind of <laughs> yes. numbed down to such has been numbed down so much where I feel like I can write about like oh it's a three two game that's not that bad. So <laughs> are you kidding me? A thrilling zone exit gets us excited. I, exactly, and and so as, as someone who has uh, been able to see the stars now compared to everyone else. Where on the watchability factor for Dallas Star, <laughs> on the watchability factor for Dallas Stars hockey, is there anything even close to as bad in the NHL? <laughs> oh wow. Um, well, no, it depends what you like. But but you know, for example, I don't have a ton of time for the Blackhawks. The Blackhawks play super exciting hockey if you like group breakouts and roller hockey style tactics. But you know, I watch the Blackhawks play without the puck in their own end, and I'm like, this is awful. Like, I can't stand this. Uh, you know, at least I don't think that when I watch Dallas play defense. Like, they know what they're doing. <laughs> I, I think of Dallas as a good foil. You know, like, Dallas is definitely not the team you're going to root for, but Dallas is the team you want to see a team you root for go through, if that makes sense, because they're <laughs> such a cynical, hard scrabble group. Uh, additionally, they do have Miro Heskinen. And yep. Miro Heskinen is like the perfect human being for me. Just watching him, pr- 
process hockey. Like, even the only good thing, the only redeeming quality today was that I got to watch Heskinen just take over three on three, right? Where it's just like he just steals a guy's lunch, plays back. Like, he, it seemed like he played two and a half minutes and didn't get tired. Like, that stuff's mm -hmm. awesome. So Heskinen, Heskinen sort of saves them for me on the watchability ranking. But, yeah, I mean, uh, the way Dallas plays does feel to me – you know, like they're a group of veteran guys who kind of know how to win, who are going to coach or who are going to play that way no matter who their coach is. You know what I'm saying? Like you could have, you could go through five coaches in a season, and I feel like the Dallas Stars would play the way that they're going to play <laughs> that's just so because sad. that's how these guys believe, um, you know, they can win. And they might not be wrong, right? Like they, they are. A, they are an elite, elite defensive team with an elite, elite goaltender. Uh, the question is, will they be able to generate enough offense? Uh, so far in the round robin, I think we have reason to be skeptical. But that said, when this Dallas Stars team turns it on, you know, can they win 16 more one nothing games, 2-1 games? Like, maybe. I, I don't, I'm not picking them. I'm not picking them to make the cup final or anything. I think they'll have a real tough time if they end up against you know, Colorado or Vegas, who be, with the way the round robin sort of has shaped up, you know, are clearly going to, you know, are, are positioned so that they won't have to face one another until the Western Conference final. Like, that's what I expect to happen here. But, um, you know, could Dallas surprise? Could could Ben Bishop put together the seven games he needs to? Could Miro Heskinen take over a series? Like, yeah, I think, I think all of that's definitely possible. Uh, that said, I do think they're facing the toughest of the qualifying round teams in the next round like i think the flames are going to be a really tough out for calgary uh, for dallas for a variety of reasons and one of them is I, again what i said i think that flames team is the best that i've seen so far at like using their own energy to generate it um you know as a group on that bench and i think that's a key key factor i've always maintained one of the things about uh, about miro and it's something where I'm not going to ask you to get into the other young defenseman de uh, debate that I know you get. You have to get roped into with uh, with with Hughes and Bacar. But I've always well, maintained. I don't know if I got roped into it. I think I probably was the oh, agitator. Uh, <laughs> that's that's and that's perfectly fine. But I always look back at the the Makar Makar in draft choice of those guys going three and four, and it's it's amazing to me how you couldn't go wrong with either guy. But it's amazing how style wise. Dallas got the guy that was perfect for their style, the guy who was so good in the defensive details right away. And Colorado got the guy who probably wouldn't have played like he would have in Dallas right away, but went to a team that does open it up like a Colorado. I always look back at that draft as far as it's amazing how those two picks played out, how they fit the two teams perfectly, even if yeah. Heiskanen is more free-flowing in the other parts of the game, but just how good he is defensively at I guess he's 21 now. It's the summer. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, no, and it's funny you say that too because, you know, Heskinen, like, on the one hand, Heskinen with Gerard, right? They'd spend no time in their own end. Like, I don't think anyone would ever score a goal uh, against them if that was the Avalanche shutdown pair. Um, mm -hmm. Whereas, on the other hand, if you put Makar on, in Dallas, that would be like a tragedy, right? <laughs> like, I feel yes. like that would deprive <laughs> yes. the world of something really fun. So yes. <laughs> I think I think best for all sides that it worked out the way it did. Well, yes, yes, Thomas, this has been really fun. I um I yeah, hope that for me, in post production that you're not too disappointed with how quiet you are compared to how loud Sean is, <laughs> and maybe perhaps if not for his wife's connections with a certain technology company, that perhaps his place of employment 
might be able to be coerced into getting him something better for those uh, appearances he does on TV from FaceTime with said headphones. So I don't know where I'm going with this, but I feel like we could improve this a little bit. We, we'll, we'll upgrade Sean's tech. I'll uh, I'll definitely you're, I'll definitely push for it internally. You're just you're just you're just shame. Owen just wanted to have a guest so he could shame me publicly. And, and I'm very happy to admit that. Thank you, Thomas. We really appreciate it. My absolute pleasure, gentlemen. Thanks for having me. Cheers. All right. On that note, it's time to get to the lightning round next. Boy, I don't know if, Sean, you and I can get focused again after a great extended conversation with Thomas, your boy up in Vancouver at The Athletic, but that was wonderful, and we'll definitely have to do another guest segment, won't we? Yeah, we'll definitely have to have guests. Who knew? Who knew that guests could help a podcast? I mean, boy, <laughs> just bring some new energy. and I mean, we could do another quarantine. Well, let's not get there yet. No, let's yeah. not go that far. Okay, let's get to the lightning round questions. Mike wrote in uh, from your, talking about your, Sean, or mine, perspective mm-hmm. what is the issue inhibiting the stars from creating scoring chances or do you think the issue is lack of finishing on the scoring chances they do generate i have numbers for that today okay in today's game specifically and i was going to bring it up with thomas but we ran out of time dallas had ended up with 80 shot attempts today 38 shots originally it was 40 then the stats changed to 38 whatever they had 28 by my unofficial count quality scoring chances they scored one goal this is a, a problem of finishing, not of creating offense. I think, it's, I think it's a little bit of both. I think it's mostly finishing because I think finishing is what smooths, other, um, all, smooths the other ills. So if, to me, if this team had any finish and had any polish around the net, we wouldn't be worrying about the offensive system or what they're doing as much. Um, now, it comes down to... We need, they need more scoring chances to score, so that's why we look for more chances. How can they do this? How can they do that? So, but really, I mean, a lot of it to me is you look at like opportunities like today. Like today is a perfect example of Rope Hints misses a wide open uh, net from Alexander Reggie. That's the one for me today. But, um, Back you get, door, Jamie Ben with a great pass on the power play. Open net. All you got to do is shovel it in, and he put it five feet yeah. wide left. Or even you go back to like the Colorado game where Tyler Sagan has two, three chances right in front of the net and doesn't elevate the puck once. Like to me, this is um, so much of the, the Stars' not inability to finish when they actually do get chances is that that's the biggest issue because if they finished, other things would be smoothed out. You get there's also an emotional pull of that too, where if you actually are scoring, you feel more confident around the net. That's so, a big thing for this team, yeah. I think. Oh my God, yes! I and, think and to, they they've started to believe they can't finish. I think so completely. I think I know because I've had this conversation. I had this conversation with uh, I actually had this conversation with Val Nachushkin back in the last time we were in Denver. 
whenever that was. Back last when time you were I was traveling. In, yes, last time I was in Denver, I had this conversation with Val Nachushkin about that year where he had zero goals with Dallas. And he talked about how he basically had grown to believe by the game 50 or 40 or whatever, that he had believed that he was going to finish the 0-0 goals. He had grown to believe that in his head. And I think you have in Dallas, you have a lot of guys who have been goal scorers in the past or have had offensive bursts in the past, and they're finding none of it. And so they're all kind of emotionally at the point where I can't finish anyway. And it's not a... uh, I don't know how. I mean, I thought I thought it was a really good. Th- I th- I think listeners rule. I really hope listeners listen to something Thomas said before to hear something from somebody from the outside. I th- I thought that was really valuable to have somebody from the outside who doesn't cover the Dallas Stars on a daily basis, who doesn't deal with the, this coaching staff, doesn't have any in, any any skin in the game, for lack of a better word to say. I think this team will play the same no matter whether they have five coaches or not this season. I do too. Like, I mean, it's like, it's uh, great to be able to. Hear an not an unbiased but a, a outside un, opinion unfiltered yes right having not had to deal with that over and over again yeah. um, let's go to the next one before we do too much on each one because we do have to finish this up Sean it's been a long hockey day yeah. Kern writes in why should I be optimistic about our chances going into the playoffs I'd like to focus on the positive um, that's a nice question by the way it is no it is it's I mean friendly to be. One of the reasons to be optimistic is you look at this team. I think they, style-wise, I think they can turn this series into a low-scoring, tight-checking hockey series, to use all the cliches in the book. And I think that they can do, they can limit Calgary with their defensive structure. And so for that reason, I think they can choke the game away out of the flames. And I think that is a reason to say Dallas can win this series. I also think, Sean, and I don't know if this is being a little bit too dramatic, but I think the physical nature of Calgary's team, guys like, and especially the agitating role of Matthew Kachuk, will actually be good for the Stars because Jamie Benn, the emotional leader of this team, plays better when, he, the, when they poke the bear. When yeah, Thomas no, in our last segment was talking about how Chicago tiptoed around Boston rather than try to agitate them like Vancouver did and found some success with that. I think Calgary's going to get Ben stirred up, and that's to their detriment. I think that's a great point because I think there's kind of a book out there now across the league that if Jamie Ben isn't impacting the game, just let him go. Ignore him. Let him, let him be a lull. And I think you've got some guys on Calgary that are going to – pick at him a little bit further, then that may actually hurt Calgary in the long run. Sam writes in your pick for Vegas Chicago series. Vegas. I want to pay, say Chicago, but I, I think Vegas is too deep, yep. and they don't even have Pacioretty playing right now. Yeah. Uh, yellow laces, which is a funny way of saying yellow laces. I love that. Do you think the muscle Haskinen has put on his body is limiting his ability to create space? No. I don't think so. Not at all. In fact, I think, as you heard Thomas say, he has a ton of admiration for Haskin. I think Haskin is only getting better. The big difference, Sean, is I think we want to see Haskin dominate offensively like he does in, in the rest of the game. And we haven't seen that like a Makar because well, of the system, too. And, and the other thing is Haskin doesn't have – Miro doesn't have the half-court power play game. Like, he, he's good at it, but he doesn't have the half-court power play game – 
um, at an elite level yet. It's good, but it's not. Do you think it'll get to the Zubov or Klingberg level on on power play? I th- uh, and do you think Klingberg being there holds him uh, him back a little bit because he doesn't get the first unit time? I think the answer to that is yes. Like I think it, that does hold him back, mm-hmm. and I think and I don't know whether he can get there or not. I'm not going to bet anything against against Miro after seeing what he's already done in the NHL before he even turned 21. Right. So I'm not going to bet anything against him. But I do, I do think one of the reasons that Kale McCarr may win more Norris trophies is because of that power play finish and point totals and everything. Well, you saw so, how many people were into John Carlson this year with Washington. Points yeah. are sexy, and people like that, especially mm-hmm. if they don't see you play every single day. Um, Ojibwe32, has Dallas faced Cal- the Calgary Flames in the playoffs before? Nope. It was Minnesota, right? Yes, Minnesota has. In the 80s? 81. Okay, that's what I thought. So the, the franchises have met, but not since they moved to Dallas. Correct. Uh, Drew writes in, can Dobby put this club on his back and take them on a run for the ages? Um, I don't think this team goes as deep as they can with Anton Hudobin in goal. I'm just going to be, and this is, not, this is not against Anton Hudobin. I just don't think... And I think he can win a couple games here and there, but I don't think the Stars... I think the Stars to win the Stanley Cup, I think they need healthy Ben Bishop because I don't think they can play their system well enough with Anton Hudobin in goal as they can with Ben Bishop. Um, Sean writes in, Hudobin start game one even if Bishop is fit to play. No. Right, I agree with that. I think that because of what Sean... Our Sean, you just said, the, yeah. the fact that that the element of playing the puck, be making smart decisions, having that sort of X factor, he is the number one. Let's not forget that. Yeah. Doman's been great. He was great today. But to me, if he is capable of starting, Bishop is the guy. If they're at, and here's the thing, and we talked about this in our first segment, or maybe our second, I can't remember now. If, it, if there's any modicum of doubt in Bishop's fitness, he should not start game one. But if they think he's ready then he's the guy. Yeah, I agree with that. Melissa writes in, any chance Dowling will get a look in round one? Uh, maybe, but I just think, we, as we kind of talked about before, I just think there's, we've seen how Rick Bonus wants to, looks at Dowling as more of the kind of break glass when needed, 13th forward as opposed to the um, guy he's always going to go to as a 13th forward. Ken, um, Ken Jr. writes in, do you think if Sagan is unfit to play that the Stars should bring in a scorer like Robertson instead of Kiviranta? Or I would say Dowling. Yeah, that, we talked about that earlier, though. Like, I think that's something where I think there's definitely merit to that, um, just on the, specifically on the power play. Because as we talked about today, the power play was missing something, and um, having Robertson or Dowling would have been a better solution. I like the idea of maybe putting in Robertson for that power play, just to see yeah. what he does. Yeah, I mean, uh, I've talked to someone. Factor, who, I've, right? Yeah, I've talked to some people with the Stars who have said Robertson does some things on the half wall that no one on this team does because. And Sagan's a half wall player on the power yeah. play, so why not like for like yeah. that? The difference yeah. is he's probably not playing top line minutes, right? No, he's not. And Robertson is Robertson is more of a half wall. And this is this is a this is a uh, a reference you and I will get, and some of our listeners and <laughs> Austin will get. Uh, Robertson is more like Travis Morin on the half wall where he isn't as much of a shooter. He's not like Sagan is that volume shooter. Robertson is more of that creator off the half wall where he's got the puck 
everything gets drawn to him, and then he just picks things apart. Boy, wouldn't it be great to see him with a guy like Gurianov or Sagan to shoot, to like set him up for that? Yes. Ooh, that's, that's getting me chills already. All right, Nolan writes in, do you think the Stars miss Roman Polak yet? No. Like, I mean, not, like, like I'm sure they, like, I, I actually, Thomas's segment made me think slightly that maybe they miss him a little bit more as far as the energy and, and the stuff. I do too. But as far as play on the ice, I don't think it's anything I can say they miss him. Um, and He's one of those guys. Do you remember back uh, beginning of the year when he got hurt and Como got hurt in the first game of the season? Obviously, you can't forget because uh, Polak was lying on the ice and stretchered off, and we thought yeah. he might be paralyzed. Thankfully, he wasn't, but that was a really scary moment. The Stars, and during that stretch of bad play, didn't have their two big, most physical players on forward and on defense. And, well, they have plenty of physical guys. Steven Johns coming back really negates some of the loss, uh, and maybe even more so than Polak. But, Sean, you know, if Klingberg goes down like he was out, and they brought in Harley. Obviously, we were talking about maybe Fidun yeah. or Hanley. I wouldn't mind having Polak be that guy. Yeah. But we're not going to have him now. So. Yeah. So, uh, Julie writes in, Calgary fans seem pretty optimistic that the Flames are going to sweep the Stars. What do y'all think? Uh, I would still, I would actually pick, I would pick Calgary in this series right now. Um, because I don't think Dallas is scoring enough. And I don't think, I think there's going to be that tough kind of adjustment against a Calgary team that's going to be uh, kind of firing for, to, to use puns on purpose, <laughs> to, to coming into this series. Um, I, I think Dallas is the... Based off play, St. Louis is the one that was the weakest during all of that, but St. Louis has shown that history of being able to flip that switch. Like St. Louis, like if I was one of the teams in the qualifying, I would want to avoid St. Louis because we've seen them flip that switch last year. Dallas hasn't proven they can flip that switch. So Fair. All right. I like yeah. that. Yeah. Um, Green writes in, Hey, Sean, appreciate your guys' car, uh, podcast. My question is, where does re-signing Dobby rank on the Stars' off-season priority list, do we do you believe Dobby will be back with Dallas next season? I believe he will. I believe he'll be back on a similar deal to Yaroslav Halak. Yep. Um, and as far as priority goes, um, it's probably a top three priority. Priority number one being figuring out the long-term coaching situation or who's going to be the head coach. Obviously, that's one of the first ones. And yep. then, and right now, I would I would argue that that is maybe number keep, two. Maybe number two, yeah. I mean, so. look, if you're Ben Bishop at this stage of his career is going to be your starting goaltender, you need a good uh, backup to be able to help manage him through an 82-game season, to have him healthy for the playoffs, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, and not just have one guy. He's not going to play 65 games. Uh, Jared writes in, given the fact that they had 100 points in March, are the Boston Fiction Story Bears the most salty team entering the first round. Those bunch of jerks from Raleigh are not going to be an easy out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they should be a so. little disappointed, but you know what? Boston doesn't have anyone to look at except for themselves. Uh, French Toast. Owen, great to hear you and Bruce on air again. What did you miss most? Sean, how giddy are you about NHL chaos? Count the ways. <laughs> I love the chaos. I love the chaos. There's so much chaos. I love it. Um, but I'll let you answer a question of actual substance. You I go like ahead. your chaos, though. That's fine. What did I miss the most about doing games? Well, unfortunately, Sean, I miss being at the games in person. Yeah. Right? I love broadcasting, but being in the studio is not the same as being in the arenas. So I still miss that the most. 
uh, Seanathan, Seanathan, uh, Ben being lost in the way numerous times today, do we see him as a third left wing until he figures things out slash if? Um, I mean, he's going to... Jim Nill, Rick Bonus, they're big resume guys. That's that's a line we've used before. Jamie Ben is is not going to have, is not going to be benched. He's not going to have his minutes detracted more than he already has. It's he's going to have to find his way. And the other thing too is the stars need him to find his way because you do you go down the line the stars talk about how Jamie is their leader and how they follow his lead. And if he's not finding so he's going to get those opportunities to be that leader. Like he's not like this isn't, I know people, it happens all the time. People are like, oh, we should bench this line or these guys or whatever, but contracts make roles. And I know it gets a little bit more altered in the playoffs, but it doesn't change that much for when we're talking about guys like Ben and Sagan or Radulov. Justin wrote in, if we lose in round one, what would be the signal Gallardi needs to begin a rebuild. Easier said than done with all the no-move clauses, but still. Sean, to me, the big thing is that a first-round exit to, is goes back to that top priority you said about coaching. I mm-hmm. think a, a first-round exit sends uh, Rick Bonus to either back to his assistance role or out entirely, and in comes a new head coach. Could very well be Gerard Gallant. Mm-hmm. That being said, the longer the Stars go in this playoff run the better rick bonus has chance chance he has at being the stars head coach next season yeah and the other thing is you can't blow it up it's not like these contracts are all guaranteed everything is you have so many like as you even mentioned all there's no move clause like this is the roster right like there's there's not really much else you can do i'm with you on that okay um we have some breaking news as we're here fourth i'm seeing this right now 4 30 central on tuesday so there you have it, the early game on Tuesday. So, Sean, as we are getting this, recording this, now we're going to put it together in production and, and post this on Monday. So if you're listening to this, it was already yesterday, but it's our now. Are you confused yet? Um, <laughs> as I say that, that is a very early start. That means one day off, then get ready and play. Probably no morning skate. So do they even get a chance to skate tomorrow? They played a game? Yesterday, today, so I mean, no, they'll they'll probably skate tomorrow, but it'll be one skate between now and the game. Right, and I don't think that's good news for Ben Bishop. Do you? I don't think so either. So, and the fact that it's an early game, well, it means that we won't have a late night, so no stars after dark. Mm. But we'll be interesting to see how the rest of the schedule comes out for that. Um, all right, quickly, let's rapid fire the rest of these. Ardell wrote in, much ado uh, how physical Calgary is, but I think Dallas is equal to the task and can bully Goudreau and company. Question, is this the last time the Stars team is together, and how much younger will they be 2021? Seems like Dallas's window is right now. Uh, well, we just, as we answered the last question, this is the roster. It's, yeah. You can't really change it. Well, <laughs> I mean, look, guys like Corey Perry, Andre Sekera may only be here for this season. Um and there may be some youth added to that, guys like Ty Delandria, Thomas Harley. But, yeah, the main core of this team isn't going anywhere next year, are they? No, yeah. Uh, Crawdaddy, who is y'all's pick for star surprise player of the postseason? Someone who catches us or hopefully the opponent off guard? Uh, oh, so like for the future, kind of predicting? For, for, yeah, for this upcoming playoff, is there a guy that becomes, you know, like, the breakout player for Dallas if they go on a run? Um, I think 
Gurionov yeah. is if if Dallas goes on a run, I think Gurionov grabs more national attention. I'll put I it that agree. Way. I, look, I think it could also be Rope Hints, but Sean, I was very frustrated with his game today. Um, I didn't. I think he has these moments when he's playing well. He's all over the ice. He's fast. He creates chances. He's a handful for opposition players. But when he's not playing well, he may have that flash with his speed for a moment, but he goes, he disappears way too much. And I think that's something that as he develops, he has to learn to have more of those Blake Como B-plus games than having an A-plus and a C-minus or something like that. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Uh, Christian writes in, uh, if Sagan will be out for a game one, would you like to see Kivi Ranta? Uh, we kind of t- touched on this already, but it's uh, it's... I mentioned Robertson, and that's what we were talking about okay. before. Last two. Christopher writes in, what's wrong? Should the Stars not allow more freedom for offensive talents? What's wrong? Maybe because they have scored one goal in their last two games, the round robin. I mean, that's wrong, yeah. It's finishing, and I think we touched on it earlier. I think confidence in scoring is a big deal. I would say yeah. sports psychologist, maybe. What do you think? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, sports psychologist would actually be a wonderful it's wonderful thing for the stars. I think I that every yeah. every professional team, whatever the sport, should have a sports psychologist on staff. All right, you ready for the last one? Yes. What do we got? What do we got? Uh, AJ writes in so many questions. Let's go with Bishop. Oh, we already talked about Bishop. He yeah. said, "Any idea what's up? Will we get to enjoy more Hudobin versus the Flames, or would Ben have been in net if the games carried more weight?" Uh, the last that's part the of issue. that question is most interesting. Yeah, and we don't know. That's the big issue. We are in the dark just as much as you are. And this is the type of thing that we don't really have a... Uh, it's not like we can... We, it's not, like we, we just brought Thomas on before to talk about what's happening in the bubble and what he's watched when he was bubble adjacent. He's not allowed to watch practice either. So it's not like I could even say to Thomas, hey, how did Ben Bishop look at practice? Like right. We're not even allowed to see that, so... Well, Sean, let's wrap it up. The Toronto Maple Leafs have been blanked by the Columbus Blue Jackets 3 to nothing. so that massive comeback, and, or I should say for Columbus, giving up a three-goal lead in the final four minutes the other night did not deter the Columbus Blue Jackets spirit. They win. They will move on and play Tampa. I can't wait. And I think we're getting about to get a schedule out for our, the, the first round. And I can't believe this, Sean, but there's a chance that Toronto – or Edmonton could end up getting Alex Lafreniere. Or Pittsburgh. I almost would take that. Would you? What's the bet of the, of the eight teams that have a shot, which one do you think you'd be the most happy seeing? Because we're going to find out tomorrow night who it is. I have my guess, but I want to hear you. I have my, my thought, but I want you to pick first. Um, I'll, I'll give you the list really quickly here. The Lafreniere lottery is Edmonton, Florida, Minnesota, Nashville, New York, Pittsburgh, Toronto, and Winnipeg. I'd like to, and this is, my answer doesn't go well with what a Stars fan answer would be. Oh, you're going to say because, a Central Division team. Well, no, because I, I, I want to see him play. I love watching Nathan McKinnon play. Like, right. I love watching Nathan McKinnon play. And I, I love being able to watch him in person three, four times a year. So if Lafreniere is as good as they say he is, I want to watch him three, four times a year. I don't want him. I want him to. I want him to be in the central then. And I look at teams that I, you know what? I think I think it'd be fun to see him on Nashville. It'd be fun to see him on a. I, I know that's not going to be the Stars fan response, 
But I would love to. I would love to watch. I love to watch the best players as much as possible. Well, I have on that exact note. My answer is the New York Rangers because <laughs> they are on TV a ton. They're in the biggest market in the United States, uh, which is media market number one. If he's as good as everyone says he is, he can be the next big thing along with Artemi Panarin. Uh, Igor Shosturkin seems like a real deal, plus Georgiev. They have two good young goalies. Still have to figure out what they're going to do with Henrik Lundqvist. But, Sean, to me, I want to see Lafreniere on Broadway under the lights of the Big Apple. I think that would be really cool. And, frankly, none of us want to see Edmonton, right? We just don't. I'm not, yeah, I'm not opposed to that. I, I mean, I'm not opposed to that one, but I would love to – I'm just thinking from a selfish standpoint, I want to watch the, watch the kid play as often as possible if he's as good as uh, advertised. Okay, last question. Which team is the one of the eight you absolutely don't want to see win the lottery pick? Toronto. <laughs> so Edmonton, Toronto are our picks. That's it, Sean. We're about to get going with playoff hockey. We'll do it again next week with the Stars and Flames deep in their first round. Should be a lot of fun. You like chaos, you like fun, right? Yeah, I do. Awesome. Well, that does it for us. Thanks for listening. We will see you next week. Until then, so long, everyone. You shake my nerves and you rattle my brain. Too much of love drives a man insane. You broke my will, the blood of thrill. Goodness gracious, great balls of fire. I let you love what I thought it was funny. You came along and moved me, honey. I've changed my mind.